Welcome to a brand new episode of Seize the Moment podcast. We have a very special guest today. We have Eric Goslin. He's a multifaceted talent in the entertainment industry, known for his diverse roles as a producer, actor, writer, director, and cinematographer. He's also the co-host of the Kill Streak podcast. Notably, he's contributed significantly to the world of documentary filmmaking, including his most recent work on the critically acclaimed Netflix documentary series, Wrestlers. This series, delving into the raw and intricate world of professional wrestling, highlights his ability to capture and present compelling narratives. Eric, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure to be here. And I'm excited to be what will surely be your dumbest guest. <laughs> <laughs> you guys nah, have some, no way. Uh, some real smarties on the on the pod. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, what's interesting about that is like, um, look, it's an easy thing to shit on wrestling. And I'm actually glad we're starting here. It's it's really easy to do. But like, so I'm, I'm going to even now piece this together with the documentary. So when people, I think, just watch, uh, let's say maybe a trailer or something, they might think like, oh, it's another kind of like trashy reality show. But if you, for me, obviously, first of all, because I'm a wrestling fan, but I think it's the farthest thing from that. It's such a human interest story. And so why we tend to have professional wrestlers on and people who talk about wrestling. And by the way, FYI, we've had a lot of philosophers on who actually actually are wrestling fans too. Oh, uh, awesome. and, and, you know, oh, and I'll get into a guy named Douglas Edwards. You'll love that. Uh, so, uh, so, but the point is to say that when it comes to wrestling, there's something about it that is intellectual because if you think about it just as an art and just as people who not only just perform, but they do it in a very kind of psychologically oriented way in tune with the audience, then yeah, it's more than just a dumb art form. It's not just a bunch of people throwing each other around. So let's, yeah, especially when you take into account baby faces and heels and kind of the behavioral science of that and getting the audience to react, feeding off of the reactions, making yeah. them react yeah. more. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So, Eric, so can we actually now get into the story of wrestlers? So what's the premise of it? What's it about? And what was the purpose of it? Because, again, it's not a reality show. Yeah. So Wrestlers um, is a documentary series uh, directed by Greg Whiteley uh, that I was so fortunate enough to be able to work on because I I'm a wrestling fan. Um, mm. So it's about uh, a small, well, they used to be a lot bigger, but there, it's OVW Ohio Valley wrestling down in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, they are for wrestling fans. Like I knew immediately when the project was presented to me, what OVW is, but OVW is sort of a, de a developmental um territory for up-and-coming wrestlers and it used to be a feeder for the wwe back in the 90s mm. 90s yeah late 90s i'd say yeah early 2000s too yeah. early 2000s yeah yeah mm -hmm. that's where john cena came from brock lesnar batista um, batista yeah a bunch of a bunch of uh notable wrestlers um and they've recently fallen on hard times um mm. because of pandemic just because of low attendance um and so the story of wrestlers is OVW taking this summer um, to work with uh, one of the owners, Al Snow, who's a Attitude Era wrestler, mm -hmm. um, and their new owner, Matt Jones, who's a, uh, kind of a massive celebrity in Kentucky. Uh, he's a K Kentucky sports radio host um, and also the the now mayor of Louisville, Kentucky, Craig Greenberg. And some others um it's trying to find some synergy to be able to work together to take ovw to the next level but also it's about the wrestlers who wrestle at ovw and that's really where the human interest story comes in because we're going deep with these people we're embedded with these people for four three four months i shouldn't say we i wasn't there personally 
Uh, I was there for some for the LA shoot, but not for Kentucky. My mm-hmm. my job is all in post production, but um, yeah. So it's about their struggles, their dreams, and to me, it's the project um should have a wide appeal to people because it's about it could be about any creative field. It could be about actors. It could be about stand up comedians. It could be about um you know, any sort of performing arts because mm-hmm. they're at the end of the day, they're performers, they're, they're passionate artists and their art happens to be wrestling. Uh, and it's about how difficult that is to do on your own terms and um, how much of a crapshoot it is for, to be successful in the, in those fields. Yeah. So hopefully that answered your question. No, absolutely. And uh, I'm wondering, so uh, what kind of position was Ohio Valley Wrestling in that, you know, uh, people like Craig Greenberg and uh, Mike Jones had to enter the fray? Yeah, Matt Jones, um, they were uh, losing quite a bit of money in the documentary. um, At the time when we were filming, I believe it was something like 30 grand a month. Um, So they were losing a lot of money. And Part of that was because of uh, just pandemic. It's, you know, it was hard for their small businesses. It's hard for a small business to operate that depends on live in-person audience. Um, and so uh, from my understanding, you know, <clears throat> based on the interviews we did with them, Craig and Matt are longtime wrestling fans. And they um, saw this opportunity. They're businessmen. They, you know, they have investments and in, various businesses. I think Craig comes from the hotel industry. Um, and they saw this opportunity to uh, buy a wrestling company. Um, and they looked into the financials of it. I don't think this is, <clears throat> is a little bit worse than what they got in terms mm-hmm. of like the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they were in there. I mean, I don't know if I don't have a timeline of like when they would have closed, but they were not doing well. I mean, some of the shows that we filmed were pretty sparsely attended and, you know, you saw in the documentary, we get into some of their pay-per-view numbers and it was pretty low. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was yeah. really interesting to see like how really personal they got with their financial situation. I thought it was so, I don't know. I, I, I would have, if I was, if I was them, I'd be a little bit, you know, scared to have that out there, but then yeah. the way that they portray Matt also, like he's this asshole, like, okay, some people like him. But basically, most people think he's an asshole. Yeah. But he's like this sort of like uh, dualistic character. Like on one level, you know, you see him on the radio, this confident guy, gregarious guy. Um, some people he has good interactions with. But then other people, it seems like he's this like overreactive sort of emotional guy. Uh, you even see him at one point in the in the doc. He has a, a seizure. And I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. The way that that was filmed, too. Uh, a little triggering, actually, you know, because yeah. I've, I've seen people have seizures like that before and damn, damn. And then like getting that in the in the dock, too. And like uh, for everyone to see, it was, I got to say, very uh, emotionally impactful. Yeah, And you see the complexity of the characters. And I yeah. think just even going into the wrestlers like Haley J is another one. So she's I would argue she was for well, not, I guess it's not an argument, but I would say she was one of my favorite characters. Same so, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. You can see you could see on the one hand how she's such an asshole, but how she's also so relatable because of the situation that she had with her mom. And yeah. uh, just going into the storyline with her mom that she kind of felt abandoned by her, that her mom was on the road. She was wrestling, you know, for however many X amount of years. And then you could kind of relate to her and you could sort of sense the the 
you could see or feel in yourself the need or the want to retaliate too if you were put in that position. So what I love so much about the documentary is the complexity of characters. So like even with Matt, I mean, he is this very, um, not just nuanced, but he's this very kind of extreme, uh, extreme kind of extremely dichotomous character. Like he's very likable on the one hand and he's very unlikable on the other. There was a scene where I remember one of the wrestlers called him out and he's like, dude, you're like really being a dick right now. And Matt like couldn't <laughs> see it. He's like, I can't even talk to you right now. Uh, but that's the thing about the documentary that makes it so relatable. Again, there's no, uh, you know, unlike wrestling, there are no real good guys and bad guys behind the scenes. Yeah. So that was a, you know, uh, thank you, first of all, because that's our certainly our intention with any of the projects um, we've done together, like myself and the other story producers and Greg Whiteley and Adam Leibowitz and stuff. We've so this is my third show with them. And what I've loved about working with them is that we all think very deeply and we immerse ourselves in the footage and try to understand the people. And we can't come into that having judgment for them um, <clears throat> because at the end of the day, we want to present them in the best possible light to make audiences want to watch them. Because if you have a repellent character, nobody's going to want to watch that. Um, and so with Matt Jones, for example, <clears throat> excuse me, he's somebody who, uh, you know, in the, when we were watching the footage, we have a lot of the same reactions that the audience does, but that seizure that you mentioned yeah. was really was a turning point for us at behind the scenes, um, as it was for, you know, I, I, from what I gather from the feedback from what I've heard of people watching the show. And that was a complete shock. I mean, I wasn't there. They called me the next day saying like, this mm -hmm. crazy thing happened. We thought he was having a stroke. Like they thought he was having a medical emergency. And this is something that he struggles with epilepsy. He's, he's, he's been dealing with for years. He didn't tell anybody on our, on our side. Wow. So when that happened, that was truly a surprise. Um, <clears throat> and then from there, we saw the more honest side, not honest. That's not the right word. Um, the more the softer side of Matt in, in yeah. you can see in the following episode, he's talking to our producer, uh, Chelsea and he has tears in his eyes. And that was the first time we'd really seen that. And we're like, wow, okay. There is more to Matt than just a braggadocious kind of, I mean, and the thing is, I think he's a deeply insecure guy and he'll be the first to admit that. Um, and he's, he kind of approaches the world being larger than life and he's used to being in control because he's he's a you know self-made man if that such a thing exists that's he, he is uh that so he's used to being uh in power in wrestlers they don't they don't cotton to that at all they're you know they're really fiercely individual people who don't take you can swear on this podcast right they don't, yeah. Take, yeah. They don't take shit from anybody so that was just like oil and water <clears throat> and then having to also work with Al, who has a lot of pride in OVW and what he's done to OVW. I know Matt coming in um, for him was like, what the fuck are you talking to me about wrestling for? This is not your lane. Stay in your lane. So for mm -hmm. us, the like the main arc of the show, although it is about these individual wrestlers, like you mentioned, Haley J and Sh Mahabali Shira, um, the the main arc of the of the show was Al and Matt their relationship, and part of it was a conscious thing where we wanted to structure it like wrestling. Yeah. We have a heel, we have a baby face. Matt's our heel. 
at some point during the series, we wanted to mess with that a little bit and have a face turn. And um, so, yeah, that's, and that's what's so fascinating about wrestling in the, that you brought up earlier. It's it there's, Yes, you have heels and baby faces, but you have that in between also. Like Haley J, I would argue, is she's a heel in the ring, but people love her. She's almost like a stone cold character. Yeah, anti hero. Like, yeah. Anti hero, exactly. And um, Haley was also one of my favorite characters. And actually, episode five, the one about her and her mother was the episode that I worked on the longest and kind of had the most, have the most pride in. Um, that was, I just loved that storyline so much. And, and as producers, we all sort of have our, our people that we like gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and Haley was the one that I was like really excited to work on, on shaping her story for the audience. Oh, can um, you talk, can you talk a little bit about that? So like, what about her? What, what was it so that was so captivating about her specifically and the relationship with her mom? Yeah. So, um, I felt like I knew her. I felt like I went to school in high school with people like her. She just, she was familiar to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've always been fascinated by how trauma shapes people, how it, you know, how, um, and if you can, uh, I shouldn't do this, but I do follow what people are saying about the show on Twitter. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people right immediately they're like who is this fucking Haley j she's a real piece of trash and <laughs> i want to she's like, got hey, heat she's got she's heat, got heat. <laughs> exactly that's what she wants you to feel mm-hmm. um but she's being very real and open with us and so she's fascinating because she'll tell you some of these horrific things that happened to her in the most dispassionate way and you're like mm-hmm. well, wow that's really interesting like there, there, there's some there's she's clearly um well, I shouldn't say clearly. I don't want to speak for her, for her, but she's dealing with stuff that she's very honest with. But I think there's a level to it where she's not even being honest with herself on, on some at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's trying to get that out of her uh, in what in the story that we're telling to explain why she is the way she is, or at least partially um, as much as we can. And then Maria, also very open, um, and. I felt, I I mean, I don't know that I actually knew people like Maria, but I felt like that was, I kind of understood her as a person uh, Mm. to a certain extent. I mean, who can fully understand anybody, (laughs) but um, so there's something about that dynamic Um, and Maria kind of doesn't, she kind of sort of knows in my eyes that her being gone, her, like she, if you haven't seen the show, um, Maria was arrested for dealing drugs a couple times um, mm-hmm. and spent some time in prison during these really formative years for Haley. And, she, you know, I, I think Maria um, also kind of doesn't really understand the extent that that messed Haley up. Um, and so that was, that was just a really fascinating thing to explore for myself, you know. Yeah. Just curious. Why do you, I mean, this is all pretty much conjecture, but why do you think the audience more so sided with Maria, not so Haley? Because even the way you describe it, I mean, it's obvious that, you know, Haley as the kid was the victim there, you know, unintentionally, of course. Right. But I wonder how did it come about that the audience was like, oh no, fuck this bratty kid. Honestly. um, And this isn't something I really discussed with any of my coworkers. This is my opinion. Uh, I think misogyny, (laughs) like if Mm -hmm. if I'm being, I think people are less sympathetic to uh, an abrasive, young woman and maria 
now has slowed down a lot. So she's not really like, at least in the footage that we shot, she's not really as abrasive and big as Haley. Mm -hmm. Haley does have an ego. Like that is really her. Um, And I think people bump on that. Whereas in my opinion, someone like Mr. Pectacular, who also mm -hmm. has an ego and is funny in the way that he presents that, people don't seem to have a problem with that. And I don't mm. know. I think to me, it's like, that's kind of the most reasonable explanation is that kind of just misogyny, honestly. Yeah. Person personally, I, uh, you know, as a viewer, I almost excuse it just because of her age. I mean, even yeah. Al says, oh, okay. You know, she's very young in the business. She still has to, mm -hmm. you know, learn. Otherwise she seems like as far as her complete character. Yeah. There, there's parts that, you know, forgive me for saying, yeah, sure. seems a little bit, trashy but it looks like mm -hmm. you know she's kind of uh trying to even though she's very dispassionate about like the things that you know m happened to her before it does seem like she's sort of moving past it trying to use wrestling to sort of yeah. you know move past those things uh just focus on that essentially it seems like a funny character too uh mm -hmm. i don't know there was this point uh where they were talking and this was a uh, uh, matt's idea uh, for them to do sort of like a collaboration with AEW Dark, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so essentially at that point, uh, Haley, I think, you know, she's been a little bit of a misfit. Uh, she was told earlier, you know, don't, you know, smoke on the property, that kind of thing, like uh, smoke weed or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I believe she got caught. And then she thinks it's because of that, that maybe she wasn't like uh, invited to go to this you know, collaboration as far as that goes. So you see things like that, and maybe that is why. Uh, but so, yeah, so she has some things to work work out, but I, I personally don't hate her or anything, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, for us as storytellers, the most interesting characters are often the most conflicted, and it's... So she was a gift to us. Like, Im immediately, she was... What part of our process is, um, you know, in the field, Greg and our producers will identify people who they're filming with that really pop for them and seem like they have deeper stories. And she was one immediately, like everybody was in, in agreement that like, oh, Haley is going to be one of our characters that we follow. Mm -hmm. um, uh, oh, there's no. I, I had something, but I forgot. <laughs> so uh, Mahabali Shira, for example, mm -hmm. that his story was really emotionally impactful because like, for example, uh, his relationship with his, with his father, you know, he, all, all he, when he grew up, he, you know, he be, first became a bodybuilder, then a wrestler, just wanted to sort of impress his dad. Eventually was able to do that. Comes to America, tries to get a big break in uh, WWE. You know, at first everything seems to be going swimmingly. Um, uh, then gets let go by them and i forget where in the timeline this happens but at, at one point uh he gets a call finds out his dad has cancer mm -hmm. uh goes back there uh, i think and there's this one emotional point where like uh, his father says to him on the phone uh uh you're uh you've uh i'm so happy you're coming uh you're coming to save me right mm -hmm. and of course you go you know as uh, mahabali is telling this story you can tell that when he got there, it didn't work out that way. His father mm -hmm. inevitably died. You see him get emotional. And it's like this really heart-wrenching sort of, you know, uh, telling of the story. And, you know, you just get to the real human side 
of of uh, of these wrestlers you know especially mm-hmm. uh, mahabali in this case yeah and you know what i would also add to that it's like it's such a microcosm of cop- of capitalism for better or worse you know it's mm-hmm. like if you look at these two stories with haley and him like haley not so much to not to such a large extent him i would say more so uh because there's a scene where he essentially talks about like foregoing love and he says well this is kind of the price of you know of glory right this is what you kind of have to do to give this is what you have to give up for for you know the level of success that i'm trying to get to and you kind of see this in many of these characters that they do forego intimacy and they do forego like good relationships. I mean, Haley has a partner, obviously, who's another wrestler, but like, you know, they're kind of like sort of on and off or whatever is going on there. But you could kind of tell like they're sacrificing so much for it. Right. And again, such a microcosm of capitalism, because there's this sense like if you just sacrifice, if you just like do the right thing and you give up on all of these things that are pleasurable now, again, love included, then all of a sudden you can make it to the top. And I remember with Haley, there was the scene where she's like talking to um her boyfriend. I don't remember. It was about leaving. I don't think it was about the WWE. I think it was about her going to wow. And he seemed wow. Yeah. Yeah, he seemed kind of jealous about it. And again, you know, for her, it didn't even really seem like she had any kind of qualms about it. She was like, dude, like, this is it. This is what the business is. You know, in order to get somewhere, we kind of have to sacrifice. And, you know, the scene that I thought about uh, when I was watching this was that famous scene in Heat, man, where Robert De Niro tells Al Pacino, he says, yeah, man, you can't really stick with anything that you can't leave within about five seconds, you know? Yeah. And like, that's that, that's kind of it, man. That's the nature of the wrestling business. Again, it's pure sort of unbridled capitalism. It's like everybody's out for themselves, you know, to whatever extent uh but like for the most part the idea is like if you pick yourself up you let go of all of the things that make you happy now you could become a star yeah no and that i think uh, also ties into just uh creative performers creative industries if whether you're a painter or a filmmaker you kind of have to have that that dog in you to mm-hmm. uh to be kind of a little crazy enough to to make those sacrifices earlier earlier in your life so hopefully they pay off later down the line. Yeah. And Shira, that that story with his father was also just like one of those beautiful gifts as documentarians. It's just he's such a sweet, sweetheart. Like it, we all fell in love with Shira so hard. He's su- such a genuine soul. Yeah. Uh, at and- least. Mm, go ahead. Yeah. And then, you know, again, going back to the idea of this replicating capitalism, I mean, you could even see it with somebody like him. So for the most part, we would watch him and we would think, okay, like this guy probably has a chance of being at some champion in the WWE, right? But because mm-hmm. there's so few spots in the business, I mean, the thing is, unfortunately for him, he is going to be the star of something like OVW instead. And again, you know, the, going back to just like how we tend to think of capitalism, especially the sort of Fitzgerald-esque version of it, is that mm-hmm. there's this idea that, you know, if I'm like a fit and people sort of see that I could be a top guy... All I have to do is just keep grinding, man. It's like if I just kind of put my head down, eventually it'll I'll get there. Yeah. And I think the saddest part of the story, I mean, it wasn't in the story, but I think this is what a lot of the kind of viewership will probably take away from it, is the chances of him ever really getting to the WWE. I mean, like really shining in the WWE outside of like maybe being at the Performance Center yeah. uh, was like fairly slim. Yeah, and that's something that Al, uh, uh, you know, talks about, not with Shira specifically, but with the wrestlers in general. It's like, you might be able to get to the WWE, but once you're there, that's all on you. You have, mm-hmm. you know, and that is a difficult place to thrive, at least from my understanding of it. Um, yeah, and it was, it was really fun for us uh, with in this series in particular, because class and capitalism has always been a part of Greg's and Adam's work um, up until this point. But this one... Uh, specifically really lent itself to exploring those themes um 
uh, and I, I think you know we we do so in episode three with the Harlan County's uh, stuff, and um, yeah, they all have the this bootstraps mentality where they do all have to believe they're going to be the next biggest thing. Otherwise, like they just couldn't do it. Um, and there's a, there's a bit of self delusion. And I mean that in, in like a complimentary way, you need that little bit of self delusion to believe in yourself that much to, right. to pursue this thing. But yeah, that mean the chances of actually thriving or making it, I know Haley's actually been appearing in AEW here and there. So that's, that's great. Oh. I know she she had a tryout oh. <clears throat> with WWE that she had to miss for medical reasons. Oh well, um, because I've been there's actually something that I don't think we. I mean, we have so many different cuts of every episode. But yeah, Haley also has epilepsy, so that's like something oh. she she's been speaking about this on interview. So I can hmm. I feel like I can say I can talk about this. Uh, hmm. But yeah, she so she kind of has to get like a second doctor to approve her. Um, but yeah, then once she's there, who knows? You know, who knows what's what's going to happen with her? Uh, mm-hmm. She could fade out into obscurity quickly. Who knows? I hope not. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a really it's a tough business. It's it, it's um, more so than acting. At least it's visually compelling to show it, it. We can explore these topics while still showing wrestling as like a visual, like an interesting visual component to like illustrate these things for us. It's sort of this perfect art form to to explore some of these topics mm-hmm. i feel like she has a shot i mean with, with yeah. this platform right i mean the doc series it did so well on netflix right i mean there yeah. you go i mean yeah it's unfortunate she missed her uh, tryout but I, I think she's still uplifted enough to yeah maybe make it it would be nice to see actually and absolutely and at the very least, maybe even have like a really successful indie career, even if that yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah, because I mean, like you could see this with a guy like so his name is Matt Cardona. I mean, he was fired by the WWE as Zack Ryder like now years ago. And oh, no. yeah, you know who I, I'm sure you know him if you Zack Ryder. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like with Matt Cardona, dude, like this fucking guy doesn't need that. He doesn't need any of these companies. And literally because yeah. he, and he has like, oh, by the way, a podcast where he just shoots the shit about like trading cards. I think it was like Pokemon cards or something. I don't remember exactly what it was. <laughs> you know, something, something like that. Right. So but the point is to say that with somebody like her. And I love this about like social media and where we are, like, you know, 2023 is that you can actually kind of parlay some of the fame into something outside of the mainstream companies. So mm-hmm. like when something like WWE, I mean, it's nice to be there and it's nice to succeed there. Uh, but I just if, I think for a lot of these people, it's not much of a necessity. And especially like in terms of with her, she might not want that schedule, you know, whatever it is. I mean, I, it's not what it was in the 90s, obviously, but who knows, mm-hmm. man? Like, let's say she decides to have a family or whatever. Maybe she wouldn't want to do that and she'd want to do something else. So now she already has the fame to, again, to do whatever with it that she kind of wants i mean you know she's not going away anytime soon so it's a great thing to have and yeah, so it's a lot of leverage a lot of leverage on her end so uh, and i'll say too one of the most satisfying things um having worked on the show is seeing how the show has affected their lives and how how the show has like i think ovw's been sold out since the show aired wow uh, since it's dropped nice and so that, and that's okay. if nothing else that's really great that's so you know heartening for us um, that people, you know, you kind of forget that this is real life. <laughs> this is a real story. This is an actual company that's actually struggling. And these people are real people. So to see it like affecting their actual lives is is really satisfying for us. Yeah. 
Yeah, and can you tell us a little bit about the kind of relationship that Al Snow had with his wrestlers? Because he's, uh, I love the fact that he's not just like a business owner. I mean, he's essentially mm-hmm. a mentor. So when yeah. he bought the company, I mean, it seemed like it was something that he wanted to do. I mean, I'm going to guess for the rest of his life. It wasn't just something that he wanted to take on and then flip at some later point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Al had a lot of um, uh, loyalty and a lot of pressure from the previous owner, Danny Davis. He really wanted to make OVW thrive. Um, yeah, and so Al has a has a, a fatherly relationship. Um, I know, at least from my remembrance of the footage, Haley resp- like refers to him like a almost like an, a dad figure. Um, and I think he cares deeply about all of them. I think he really does. He's he's kind of a tough nut to crack emotionally, and he'll never say he'll he'll say some sort of dad joke instead of you know mm-hmm. actually being open and emotional with him. But yeah, he I think he has a lot of he feels a lot of responsibility, and also he you know I think he even says this he wants to preserve his good name in the business. Um, in in he. Uh, he mentors them. He gives as much advice as he can based on his own career and his own mistakes that he is at least he felt like he has made um, to help them. But also I think he accept he accepts that they're going to have to make their own mistakes in order to learn anyway. So um, especially with somebody like Haley, uh, she's so young and sort of wild, although I do think she she's learned lessons from watching the show, at least from my understanding of interviews she's done. That she's like, oh yeah, maybe that wasn't the best thing for me to do. <laughs> I'm gonna clean up my act a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think Al Al really does have this mentor um relationship with a, especially his younger wrestlers and the the more green wrestlers. Um yeah. Yeah, and one of the best kernels of wisdom I remember when he was talking to them, he said, You guys are so afraid of making mistakes. Yet for the audience, it's not even that they don't notice it. They kind of expect it. I mean, this is real life. So when you're thinking about what you're doing in the ring, like consider the fact that you're supposed to be making mistakes. Again, it's a part of the match. I mean, it wouldn't mm-hmm. make sense if it was just like perfectly fluid. So I love that because for performers, I mean, not just wrestlers, but for any performer, I mean, you're gonna be terrified of fucking something up, you know, whether it's a line, you know, on some sort of show or whatever, or you know, if you're an athlete or whatever, a football player, you know, you're gonna be afraid of dropping the ball or whatnot but in this case i mean the point is to say that like no mistakes are actually a good thing it's supposed to be real like when people come to see this you're actually selling it you're selling you know the lie kind of so yeah. to speak right so it's supposed to look like it's like sort of, sort of happening in real life and i really appreciated that because i think when people do perform they think okay how do i make this obviously as perfect as possible whereas in wrestling that's i mean it is the point but it's also kind of not the point yeah yeah if you don't think it's a real if, you know you, you don't want to be watching a dance you want to be yeah. watching a fight and um although i mean you know there is something to be said about like some wrestlers like uh what was that was a will osprey and ricochet had that really like crazy choreographed match that a lot of old timers got pissed off about but it was a technical Mm. feat it was a marvel Mm. like so there is there is that aspect which i think actually al would probably hate (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah, so it, you have to embrace the imperfections. It's like I, I have some experience doing like improv comedy and the same sort of thing. Like you can't, the some of the best moments come from when somebody actually just fucks up in a scene and you can, you know, take it into new interesting directions or fun, you know, you can make fun of what just happened and incorporate it. And I think that's what the audience responds to because then for a second, you're like, I'm not watching some written thing. I'm watching something that's happening organically in front of me. And it's 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 exciting. Yep. Yeah. Plus you're sort of messing with their expectations by like, you know, yes, anding even a mistake. Right. And then yeah. it probably makes it funnier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, as far as Al Snow goes, though, I got to say something that really struck me about his character, and I think even Matt mentioned it as well. He has a sort of even keel sort of personality where yeah. he, he he strikes me as a man who has encountered so many disappointments uh, and victories too and he talks about them too yeah yeah but in, in the we sense, should get into that yeah but yeah but mm-hmm. so he encountered so many of them that like he doesn't overly celebrate victories nor does he get down about uh defeats like he, he almost has like no reaction either way yeah. and something about that's kind of striking actually like it's actually an interesting like i i almost as a as a viewer watching it i'm always like oh that's interesting how you can get to that level you know like almost as if that's like a like a feat actually to be so you know emotionally controlled right you mm-hmm. know so yeah, yeah very interesting guy yeah well yeah and then just to add to that just like to give some context to this yeah there was this really great scene where he was talking about like where he i mean this is his perspective right i mean nobody really knows what kind of goes on behind the scenes there but like his perspective was like so there was a tag team which wasn't really a tag team match that he did so it was him and head uh against yeah. two cool who was uh, scott taylor at the time scotty too hotty people know him mm-hmm. uh, and brian christopher who was two se- grandmaster sexy uh so yeah with them there was this understanding that like if it, had he not put them over at the time and i think he said he did it for jerry lawler if I'm not mistaken, I don't because my memory is kind of vague on this. I think he said he did it for Lawler, or Lawler asked for it because Lawler was uh, Brian Christopher's dad. Uh, yeah. So like he put them over, and he said like that was kind of it for me. That's sort of when the momentum faded, and you know I went into obscurity in the WWE, and then obviously you know he went to where he went. But what's so uh, I guess interesting, and then you know kind of terrible at the same time, is that here you have this person who is on his way up, and I mean you know the character, the head character was incredibly popular. So and mm-hmm. then he has to kind of suffer this defeat, and now he has to figure out okay now that it looks like my time in the WWE is kind of coming to an end. Like, what do I do with that? So speaking of like, you know, being hardened, I mean, what's going to, what's, what thing is going to harden you more than like literally on Sunday night heat or wherever the fuck that match was to lose your dream literally in yeah. that one moment and to tell yourself like, Oh my God, I have to find something else. Yeah. Yeah. And he was just trying to be a good, a good boy. And you know, he, he's like, Oh yeah, that, that finish was funny. It's a good finish, but it was not the right to, in his mind, it wasn't the right decision. And who, you know, who's to say, who's to say if, if, if he, if he changed that, that outcome, if maybe he would have suffered the same fate he did in WWE. Um, but it, it's hard, it's hard to say, but yeah, Al's even keelness is very funny. It's mm-hmm. a, it's like, it's funny to work with in the footage, but it's also like a little frustrating. Sometimes you're like, come on, fucking react man <laughs> yeah yeah it would certainly help our storytelling if if you had a bigger reaction in this moment but that's just al that's just that's just who he is and it, it yeah he's he's seen the highs he's seen the lows one of the most interesting things a little off topic was once the trailer dropped i was paying attention on on twitter or x uh whatever yeah, yeah. and yeah you know, usually you can you can kind of gauge the popularity of of the show you're working on based on how many tweets are being generated about it. It's not a science, but it's something I like to do. And people were really taking, um, a lot of offense to in the trailer. It's funny. Uh, they cut the, we didn't have anything to do with the trailer. Um, they cut the trailer to make cash flow. Say Al Snow is one of the most legendary wrestlers in the business Mm -hmm. in, in our show. 
we use the same line, but he says one of the most legendary wrestling trainers in the business, ah. which I think is an important distinction because yeah. everybody was like, what the fuck? Al Snow, one of the most legendary. And it, that that became like the story of the show before it even premiered. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, God, calm down, guys. It's like I I I remember, uh, you know, obviously from the Attitude Era, Al Snow, he was big. He had a he had his his fucking action figure got taken out of walmart like that's i remember that being on the news like it's mm-hmm. not an insignificant figure he's had success in the business um so that that was that was just like really funny to me in, in um seeing some of the uh you know like the you know i don't want to say yeah i guess some of the rest more wrestling nerd reactions the marks yeah yeah the yeah, marks. yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah who, who are like like well actually this it's like well, yeah we only we only have an hour per episode to explain things so mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. It works for the show, right? Getting that kind yeah. of reaction from people. Totally, hey, if they're yeah. talking about it, engaging. Hey, it's it, yeah. it's good, even if it's you know sort of like a negative sort of you know attention. But yeah, but I think even once the show premiered, I mean, from what I've seen, almost overwhelmingly positive uh, feedback from yeah. people, which is great for us because behind the scenes we're like, this is really good. <laughs> this is like might be one yeah. of the best things we've worked on. Um, and so it was, it was nice to, for it to start getting like nice reviews, like, okay, we're not crazy. We are actually right here. I think this is something special. Yeah. And I think just the fact that, um, in terms of not just the feedback from just like regular wrestling fans, which is obviously great, but also the fact that, I mean, just other wrestlers who were from the industry promoted it too. So like, uh, we had Diamond Dallas, yeah, we had Diamond Dallas Page on the show. Uh, so this was now like about a year and a half ago, something like that. And then, so there's this great scene in the documentary where DDP is in it. I I don't know if you got up to that part yet. So DDP is in it. This is when Al goes to, um, Flair's last match. Mm -hmm. So, and then DDP is like, yo, come on, Al. He's like, if you need me to be at OVW, man, I'll be at OVW. So what's cool is that like i tweeted that out and i was like oh shit i was like our guy ddp like you know try to hook al snow up uh you know by doing an appearance or whatever and yet ddp retweeted and he was like oh thanks for putting that off i was like you got it awesome yeah Yeah. Yeah. it was huge for me you can't see off right off camera i have an autographed socko oh Um, shit yeah yeah and and uh mick foley tweeted about or like he posted about it i was like oh that's just like for me that's just like one of the coolest things yeah 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 yeah, and yeah. the key. So, and the thing is, the term legendary. I mean, look, look, I get it. I mean, usually we think of Mount Rushmore or whatever, but like for me, honestly, a lot of people in that attitude era were like legendary. Oh, so, yeah. like we, we, yeah, we also had like Mark Merrill on the show. We had Jeff Jarrett on the show. Mm-hmm. So, like with these two were never world champions, but like neither was Scott Hall, and Scott Hall was considered a right a legend. Yeah. Rowdy Roddy Piper, right? So it's yeah. like it's such a kind of vague term, man, because like for a lot of these dudes, man, they were around for the biggest like moments. Like Jeff is a great example. Like fucking Jeff Jarrett was the person who lost the Intercontinental middle title of china i mean that's yeah. like forever yeah. in wrestling history and it appeared at nitro on the next night to smack buff bagwell over the over that with the guitar you know like yeah. i mean i don't know the whole legend like who is and who isn't it just it doesn't matter to me because honestly man when i look at my childhood i know who all of these people are i know their stats i know their mm-hmm. matches i know their big moments their low moments i know when they transition to other companies and it's not just like austin and the rock it's a lot of these guys so yeah absolutely and especially during that era it was just inescapable like i that's that's when i i mean i, I liked wrestling as a kid and i kind of fell out of it and then during the attitude era it's just like it was everywhere it was great it was so fun like the characters are so large so amazing that like even if you weren't really paying attention to wrestling you were still kind of like these people were being presented to you all the time so you could just you you knew them um there and it that's uh yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Like the <laughs> oh, yeah, everybody knew who the rock was. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right? Everybody and, knew who the rock was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even like it didn't even matter that like uh let's say his uh movie debut in like the Scorpion King or whatever. Even before that, everybody still knew, you know, do you smell? Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. get like these few mm-hmm. go ahead. Oh no, I I I was just gonna say it and I I hope um I think the biggest hurdle now for for the show is uh, people who aren't into wrestling to mm-hmm. to be watching the show because I think it's universal in a lot of ways. It's not just for wrestling fans. It's it's for you know my mom watched it. She has no interest in wrestling and she loved it. I think mm-hmm. I think that's I think if people. It was interesting to me because I like wrestling and I'm interested in the business. I'm interested in the behind the scenes stuff. But for some people, it's just it's a big hurdle to to like. And nah, I don't want to watch something about wrestlers. And like, well, why not? I think you'll like it. Um, and and I wonder why that is. I guess it's it was um, maybe because of this time, this exact time we're talking about the Attitude Era, maybe soured it for a lot of people who were just like, oh, I don't want to engage with that, and it's in my face all the time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you mentioned Roddy Piper. Uh, I had the really really great privilege of being able to like shoot something with Roddy back in like 2007 and like <laughs> hung out with him a little bit. And what a great guy. Just absolutely... What'd you shoot? What'd you do with him? Um, we made this really stupid. Uh, so be- previous to like starting to work in documentary, um, my friends and I would just get together and make like ridiculous horror comedy movies um, that are outrageous and gross and probably people shouldn't watch them at this point <laughs> but <laughs> but we got roddy to be in one because some of our wow. friends yeah he, he worked with like, uh that's that wasn't it was called street team massacre was oh, the one okay. that he is in uh it's a little harder to find uh and yeah he's just we asked him because he had worked on a, a movie um so with some friends of ours who were also making the movie with us and uh he's just yeah i'll do it sure and then like you know hung out with him there and hung out with him at a bar and became friends with like his daughter um, and she was in another movie of ours. So yeah, there's just, it was such a privilege to be able to like meet him and have some sort of relationship with him before, uh, before he mm-hmm. passed on. That was really sad. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Talk about a legend, man. Yeah. 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 He was one of the guys I loved as a kid too. He just like mm-hmm. immediately, you know, he, he just popped, man. What a, what a force of nature. Yeah. So Maybe just someone- cu- Oh, because maybe some unfortunate things that he shot in the ring that don't age as well. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm curious how you see this. Okay, so, and this is just more of a broad conversation about wrestling since you are a fan, I would wonder. Um, so, like, when you think about wrestling, oftentimes, especially, like, you know, the sort of diehard wrestling fans, they'll say, well, the best wrestlers are the ones who had to have, like, at least one heavyweight championship run. Uh, so I don't necessarily agree with that. I wonder what your take is. Do you think in order to be a legend or to have legendary status, you had to have at least one title run? No, I don't think so. And I think that that also goes back to like, uh, I've always been interested in the underdogs and like, you know, obscure bands and stuff like I, I don't think you need to to have been like a world heavyweight champion to to be a legend. I think there's there's some people who just, you know, they're undeniably legends. Yeah. And even if, you know, the the getting the belt obviously shows that the company believes in you at that moment. But at the end of the day, it doesn't doesn't really matter. I don't. I mean, I say that. I'm sure. I'm sure a wrestler would kill yeah. me for saying that. <laughs> I mean, if the promos are are good, you like the character, right? Yeah. And let's say they just haven't had that uh, 
heavyweight wrestling match, right? Championship match. Yeah, I, exactly. I could see that being, but but it's weird actually. Now that you did bring up that question, I can't really think of anybody who didn't have well Piper and Scott Hall. Ah, yeah, those yeah. are two people ah, okay. considered to okay. be like yeah. really like yeah. Well, for Scott, I mean, technically he could have been a champion, but like his addiction or whatever got in the way. Yeah. So like they they were like never gonna put the belt on him. They were never gonna trust him with him. And those are two guys I loved. I I yeah. like Razor Ramon. I loved him, and you know when he went over to uh, uh, WCW, like uh, that. That was the best. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So that was never really something I was super concerned as a wrestling fan. Like them. I mean, now when I, I mean, I, truthfully, I'm sort of at my lowest point with wrestling. I'm not really engaging with the product all that much. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but when I was watching it, you know, you get frustrated. And you're like, oh, really? They're gonna, you know, keep the belt on Roman Reigns or who, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which is like, oh my, I'm. I'm marking out here. What am I doing? No. <laughs> yeah. And bringing a second heavyweight title that doesn't make yeah. any sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, ridiculous. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but isn't it also interesting? Speaking of legends, I mean, the way Al Snow carries himself, like as a leader, mentor, as a boss, I mean, it's essentially as somebody who is a WWE Hall of Famer. So I've mm-hmm. always, like, as watching the show, I've always kind of found that interesting that, like, on the one hand, I just want to say this in as, like, as respectful way as possible. Like, so for Al Snow, um, in terms of the accolades, he doesn't have many of them, right? So he has some, he doesn't have much. But mm-hmm. in terms of the way he carries himself, like, I'm telling you, man, he carries himself like he's walking around with a 10-foot pole, man. Like, this fucking guy is, like, literally, like, I was inducted into the Hall of Fame the other day. And I really appreciate that, man, because I think that's what the yeah. wrestlers really like about him. So especially in terms of being a trainer, um, so the guy who used to wrestle as Hugh Morris is the same way. Uh, I, even though I think a lot of people hate him now for, you know, various reasons. Uh, but the mm-hmm. point is to say that when you're a trainer, you can become just as much of a legend in the business as you would as a wrestler. So I, I want to just be clear on saying that just, you know, even if, let's say, Al Snow was not a legend in the way that people would want to define it, the fact that people respect him and the fact that he knows so much about the business, he knows so much about the creative side of the business. He knows how to put a match together. He knows how to get fans interested in the match. Uh, he can mm-hmm. even get himself out in the ring and he can sell it out, you know, at the main event level. First company, granted, but even still, right? I still think that that's pretty impressive. So that really says a lot about his character, that for whatever reason, whatever those sort of lows in the WWE and ECW or wherever else were, they never really beat him down. I mean, he still believed himself in himself enough to actually kind of, to uh, not just put himself out there but to understand that his skill set was not just useful but extremely valuable yeah and, and beyond um his in-ring work um my friends and i would send each other al snow uh videos um mm. my, my friend jim and craig um uh, who that's the kind of the two main people that i watch wrestling with um we we would send each other just like you know al snow shooting interviews uh you know doing shoot interviews Cause he's so smart. He's so smart mm-hmm. in terms of storytelling. Um, and then I think that's also why he was so open with us. And a lot of the wrestlers were open with us because he knows it's good storytelling. Like he knows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this might be embarrassing to me, but this is the truth. And this is a, this is going to make for a good story. So yeah, shoot it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then also, like, in terms of character development, I mean, like, I'm not really sure how it works behind the scenes or how it did at the time. I mean, honestly, he never really had much to work with. I mean, he was like mm-hmm. Leaf Ca- uh, Cassidy with Marty Jannetty for a little bit yeah. in the New Rockers, which was yeah. horrible. Um, And then he just became a solo act for a while. And then he started <laughs> out as, I forgot even the name, but he was like Avatar. His Avatar. Avatar. Yeah. yeah he, in yeah. 1995, in the WWF, he was Avatar, right? It was so yeah. stupid. And that was and based so- on uh, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> 
Yeah. Mortal Kombat Live sold out Madison Square Garden for like three nights. And so apparently Vince was like, we got to have a, a Mortal Kombat guy. And so that's why like Avatar looks like Sub-Zero. It's, oh, is that? Wow. That, oh. that story I didn't even know. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. something that didn't make the show, but Al, Al talked about it in our interviews with him. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh, so, OK, so this is what I'd want to know. So what did he think about all of his characters and the fact that, like, I mean, he was sort of <laughs> shortchanged. Yeah, he hated him. <laughs> yeah. I don't I mean, I don't want to speak for the man. I think he would say the same. He probably has said the same. And I mean, he seems to say the same, uh, repeat himself a lot in interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, yeah, he he thought the new rockers was the shits. He liked work, working with Marty Jannetty. Uh, at least this is all in my memory of of the interviews that we did with him mm-hmm. and avatar he was not a fan of and then so that the creation of al snow with head was based on that his frustrations with what they'd given him so he that's where it all that's where head was born um to make it because his whole approach was like well i'm gonna play a wrestler who's lost his mind because of how shitty his the you know he his uh storylines have been you know the opportunities he's been given by wwe mm-hmm. uh and it worked because he was playing himself he was playing a true authentic version of himself yeah and that's yeah. hit or miss by the way I was thinking if you, yeah because yeah. if you're wrestling with like uh like a mannequin head in front mm-hmm. of like a huge crowd again hit or miss it worked but just saying like yeah. that could have gone the other way but yeah, it sounds like mm-hmm. they'll say it sounds like you haven't seen episode seven yet uh not yeah. yet, actually. Oh, no. yeah. there's some some great uh, head work <laughs> in that episode. It'll it'll. I gotta uh, check it out. I gotta yeah, check yeah. it out. Check yeah. it out. Yeah, it's kind of like one of those like super niche characters, you know. And the thing is, it's like yeah. it reminds me a lot of mankind, right? So uh, sometimes people think that like oh, we're like Mick and Mick Foley who got over. They think well, it's like the mankind character got over. That's not exactly true. So if you kind of followed it during the Attitude Era, the original mankind character, he would have never gotten over. Like the one who would mm-hmm. talk with a pet mouse. I forgot. Oh my god, what was his name? I don't even remember the name of the mouse. Uh, I forget. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had a pet mouse that he would literally sit and pet and talk to. And then so, but like, yeah, once he did get over, he was actually way more so Mick Foley than he was Mankind, yes. even though he still, yeah, he still wore the mask. So it was like one of those like super dark niche characters, like the, the Dallas Snow character that I don't think it was, Um, even if it was going to, and it did, it, it appealed to many people. It was never going to be like the top face, right? It was never going to be like an LA Knight or a Rock, you know? So mm-hmm. for these, yeah, so like for these people, um, people still need their heroes, man. They need people who are not, you know, like an Al Snow's case with a character they're not psychotic they're not gonna really so if anything al snow would have probably made a pretty great like uh heel I, i'm not really sure why that wasn't really considered as uh maybe as a kind of focal point in the company making him a top yeah. heel but i don't think he would have been a top face not with that act no hmm. no I, I i i tend to agree with you um yeah but i mean it, it, you gotta have a mid card right like you yeah know, there's gotta be somebody to fill yeah. out the to fill out the rest of the show and oftentimes those are my favorite matches um and and uh yeah, it's 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 funny that I mean he he got over a lot because of that shirt. I th- in my opinion, mm-hmm. like that yeah. got head shirt was so big and it's like at the time it was like oh a double entendre <laughs> like mm-hmm. let's yeah. let's do this. Um, so that it's it's really funny. Um, yeah, and then I I think that his 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 uh, action figure is still <laughs> not allowed in Walmart, which is wow really, really funny to me. Yeah. 
damn that's hilarious. well i mean yeah I, you could even i don't even think you'd find it like in many stores anyway just because it's no, like so no, no. Yeah, yeah but like even still just the fact that yeah that controversy must have really just like spiked up the sales in other places and it just seems so quaint nowadays like oh they thought they thought it was a severed woman a woman's severed head so. yeah it's like it's so stupid yeah. right 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 yeah <laughs> and and then so and then just in terms of the show itself uh where do you guys see it going i mean that's a big question mark right now mm-hmm. um we need more people to watch um so yeah i don't know i don't know what the future is for wrestlers i wish i did um i think if nothing else if this is only if this only gets one season then i think we do actually tell a a nice complete story Mm -hmm. um as much as you can with real life um and we're really proud of it uh we're really really proud of it i would love to do another season that would be that's very exciting to me because what is what would be what happens? I don't know. I guess it'd be dealing with the repercussions of the show, which oftentimes like our shows that we've worked on in the past, like cheer and last chance you season two. So usually yep. have some yep. element of like, well, the show's out now. So how are the people dealing with it? And I think it, in this case, it'd be really interesting because these are such big, like, you know, big personalities. Like I want to know, I want to, I still want to follow Haley J's story. I want to know how Sheer is doing. We, you know, also and just find, other people we weren't able to focus on uh, and to be able to tell their story. Um, So yeah, the long story short at this point, we're not sure. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we're all working on different shows now, um, but we would love to do another season. Absolutely. Yeah. So it wasn't like, so I'm sure, you know, with the hard knocks on the NFL, like people usually hate it, like coaches, players or whatnot. I'm assuming in this case, the wrestlers didn't feel like the cameras were intruding on them. No, I don't think so. I think mm. now they're, from my understanding, some of them are regretting not being more open with mm. us because they're mm-hmm. seeing what, you know, the people who are stars uh, based on the show. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I don't think they do. And they, like, they're also desperate's not the right word, but they're also ambitious mm-hmm. that they want to be in front of the camera. There's some people we didn't use because you could tell like that they're trying to get on our cameras. So, mm-hmm. You know, we wanted to tell the real stories. Um, yeah, so I think I think they were absolutely. I mean, I think it'd be huge for their business. Um, mm-hmm. This has already given themselves a jump start, but I can imagine if if word got around that Netflix was shooting another season, um, I think their attendance would continue. People want to be on camera now. Um, yeah, and they want to see something that's like, you know, potentially like the next big thing. So yeah, hopefully we, you know, I, I never say never in this case, but I do think it needs to uh, penetrate a larger audience um, of non-wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. And I think, it, it, you know, once people actually start watching it, they'll see that this is a universal story that anybody can appreciate. You don't have to be a wrestling fan. In fact, it probably works best if you're not a wrestling fan, because mm-hmm. then you get to learn about this world that you didn't know anything about. And it in my hope is that people start to take wrestling more serious as an art form uh, and can appreciate it for what it is, which is performance and athleticism and just storytelling. It's it's a really primal, simple uh, storytelling. And, and the people who do it oftentimes are more interesting behind the scenes than they are in the ring. Like they're, it's, it's a, such a fascinating business to me. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to do it. It's funny, a little quick aside. Um, I was talking with 
uh, Adam Leibowitz, our executive producer, who's kind of like my immediate boss. Mm-hmm. And um, before the show, while they're developing the show, and I had no idea they were developing it, I was like, man, I would really love to do a show like Cheer or Last Chance You, but about a small wrestling company. Mm. And he was like, actually, we're kind of working on something like that right now like well i want to work on it and then sure enough six months later you know i was uh i was on it so now i was, I, I would amend that to my dream would be i would love to work on two seasons at least of, of a, sh- mm. a show about a wrestling company yeah you, you so actually two things one uh i'm somebody who i mean i used to uh, watch wrestling you know during the attitude era mm-hmm. then that completely dropped off for me i stopped being a wrestling fan but like when I actually watched this documentary, I got to say, man, like, again, just like getting into the human side of these characters, it's so engaging. Like the relationship between Al Snow and Matt, Matt and the other wrestlers, Haley J and her mom, uh, uh, Mahabali and his father, like we discussed earlier, seeing like these different sides of the people, like uh, these dynamics, it just uh like I'm me personally, as a viewer, I'm more interested in what's going on with these people. What's the, what are the, what's the future of these people? Right. And, and then to go to the second part, I wanted to say a season two of this would be awesome, by the way, that would be so cool. I even had a thought while you were um, maybe like a couple of minutes ago uh, and you guys were discussing that idea. I wonder if like wrestlers became even a document, like a series that went beyond even two seasons and maybe mm-hmm. started exploring other wrestling companies too. Yeah. But that's just like a thought out there, you know, as far as. Yeah. That. I mean, that's what they've done with last chance. You uh, football yeah. is every two seasons, they move to a new, another location. Um, Yeah. And who knows, who knows that would, that would be, uh, that'd be, be great. I would love that. Yeah. And I would also add to that because I wanted to bring up in the beginning of the show, Douglas Edwards. So he's a philosopher and he wrote a book Mm. called Philosophy Smackdown. And so in the book, he talks about at least in part, it's not the whole book, but he talks about in part about kayfabe and the fact that fans like love the behind the scenes stuff. And so he also talks about how WCW fucked this up because they did too much of it. It was too confusing. Mm -hmm. You couldn't really tell what was real, what was fake, what were the actual beefs, whatever. Right. But the point that he was making was that with fans, like we want to know what's going on behind the scenes. We want to actually connect with these people on a deeper level. So what I love so much about the documentary, and I think that this really sort of highlights, or at least it's an example, Rad, it's not that it highlights. It's an example of Douglas's work where you have like a character like Haley J, and she's pretty much the same thing behind the scenes, like on, on screen and off screen, right? So what I love about it is that like when you watch the kind of story play out with her and her mom, and you get behind the scenes, you see that there's still a lot of tension there. So when you kind of get hooked behind the scenes, and then you're like, wait, so these people actually don't necessarily always get along. And now you're like, oh my God, now I actually want to see what goes on on the screen because now it yeah. seems more interesting since there's some reality mm-hmm. to it and so yeah what i love about douglas's work is he highlights that for wrestling fans what makes the product uh sort of like more tangible or more exciting is when they actually feel like there's legitimate heat between two people so like whoever it is right so the the famous uh wcw example uh i'm using this this wasn't his but like like hulk hogan and jeff jarrett like hate each other and mm-hmm. you know like honestly i mean it's too late now because hogan is already kind of like past his prime or whatever i mean way past his prime but like it would have been great to see those two in the ring even though obviously it's fake and it would have just been a draw but even still right um and like with flair now who had his last match he and jeff jared had this whole behind the scenes thing so jared actually used the podcast where he actually shat on flair the entire time and you were like <laughs> oh my god like he's now even using the podcast to like promote the match not just I to say it. like oh hey guys go see the match like here's why rick Flea. he'd be like conrad this is where your dad's a piece of shit and it's like oh my god so that's the <laughs> stuff that i think people like that's 
sort of blur with reality of seeing that, okay, so there's like the stuff on the screen, but if there's a little bit of a hint of truth to it, like that's going to make us way more interested. Absolutely. In. That's, that's why I love wrestling. That's why I'm, I'm so fascinated by it. Like that match with, uh, uh, Matt Hardy and Edge. Was, yes, like, yeah. like that is like you screw so, Matt. Yeah, it's so bloody and brutal, and you're like, man, they could kill each other. Like, yeah. like you, you just, it's, it's that the real story leaking into the story in the ring, like with Haley and her mother. It's the same, same kind of thing. Like this, is, these are real life issues uh, appearing in the ring, and and hopefully there's some sort of catharsis there, or. At the end, maybe it's just good business, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's just so, so fascinating about wrestling. And uh, that's why I want people to understand. It's like, this is a really dynamic art form um, that, you know, you don't have to love, but I think people should appreciate. Yeah. And I would say the big takeaway from the documentary is there's way more, much more than meets the eye. Absolutely. All right. Alan, final questions for Eric as we wrap up. Yes. Uh, we wanted to follow you, follow your work. And of course, watch the show. Uh, where can we do that? Yeah, um, I'm on uh, X. You don't, I mean, I don't do much on there anymore these days, but I'm at Eric the Goslin, E R I C T H E G O S S E L I N. Uh, I want to shout out my fellow story producers um, who are, you know, were right there with me uh, in post production shaping the show. Uh, Ross, Claire, and Jason. And then we had amazing editors working on these series. They're so good. And they, you know, the show just wouldn't be what it is without them. Mm. Uh, and Greg and Adam and Chelsea, like they're just wonderful, wonderful people to work with. And they're just so, so, so smart. And everybody that who works on the show is just at the top of their game. And it's, it's such a privilege to be a part of that. Um, I'm working on a new show uh, right oh. now. It doesn't have a title. Um, it's with different different group of folks, but um, it's going to premiere sometime next early, you know, early next year, probably hmm. um, about the formation of a uh, global girl pop group um, that's <laughs> being put together by Geffen and Interscope and um, Hybe, which is this Korean K-pop company. <laughs> and so we've had cameras embedded with them for, you know, a couple of years now. And it's the story of the formation of these in the training, they're using this like K-pop training style um, to to uh, form this girl group. So that'll be coming out sometime. Yeah, I, and I'll, I'm sure I'll be tweeting about that as it gets mm. closer. Yeah, no, very cool. All right, we'll be on the lookout for that. All right, Eric, thank you so much for coming this on. Man. Awesome. This was great. Thanks. Absolutely, man. All right, man. We'll take talk care. to you soon. Awesome. Yeah, of course. Um, I'll see you soon. All right, <laughs> take care, man. Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right. So. Everyone, if you'd like to follow us, you can follow us at Seize the Moment Podcast on Facebook and on Instagram. On Twitter, we're at Seize underscore podcast. Like, subscribe, hit the bell on YouTube. And again, thank you so much for watching and see you next time.